0: I like baby steps. Everyone wants to go, I got to put 10 grand in this. No, just if you can afford $2,000 a year, which is not even $200 a month to put into a Roth IRA at a young age, it's going to start really helping you.
1: Welcome back Back to Young Money Mindset. Hosted by Luke Coriccia and Robbie from From the ground up, where we talk about mindset, real estate, the hustle, and everything to help you achieve your dreams. Welcome back to Young Money Mindset. Today, we have Lauren Rosen on the podcast, uh, season two, episode four. Super excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you for coming on. Oh, definitely. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So let's jump right into it. Um, I know we spoke a little bit off camera about kind of your credentials. I just wanted to go through that. Super funny. I think most qualified agent I've probably ever sat down with. So, um, overqualified. Yes. So, in terms of uh, WP Carey, uh, Arizona State uh, degree, with uh, was it uh, real estate development?
0: Yeah, I did their MRAD program, master's in real estate development. Great program at ASU, WP Carey. If anyone's interested in doing development,
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And then you've been licensed, or you've been doing real estate here in Arizona since 2003, San Diego since 2013, and then seven years prior, was it prior to 2000? No, it was during. During, okay. So were you a lender? I know we had briefly discussed your seven-year stint in lending. (laughs) Was that during the 2008 crisis? Yeah,
0: so basically I got right out of college. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, And I uh, came out to Arizona and I waited tables and I finished college and my neighbor was like, come call mortgage leads. And I was like, what's a mortgage, right? Grew up in an apartment in Brooklyn. We didn't have mortgages. And so I quickly got into it and I realized like you could save people money and we were so excited. Rates were like 6%. People were so excited about six percent, so different than now. And so we were just calling up people, and that's when I learned how to cold call and warm call. And you know, I realized that you had to split up your day between morning and night because certain people aren't going to answer in the mornings. Some people, and so I just grind for a couple years in the lending, and I realized real estate there was a lot of money in real estate. And I also knew you needed to have a specialty in anything you did, and I just loved investors. So, um, I was like 24 years old and I got a tax bill for like $35,000 and I was like, fuck, I have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I better learn some tax strategies, legal strategies. So, that's when I just started really going to seminars, reading books. You know, now you guys have it easy. Everything's YouTube and yeah. all accessible. TikTok but like, and you know, Instagram. You, but yeah, no. So, I just self-taught and market crashed in 09. So, I got out of lending and I just saw a huge opportunity at the trustee sales downtown and... Started flipping and wholesaling. And- so is
1: that so? In two thousand nine, is that when you made the transition then from the lending side over to actually going down to the, the foreclosure auction and buying? foreclosures or I got
0: my license like right after getting becoming a lender so about 2005 and I did it like part-time and I was like full-time lender part-time realtor but then I just saw in 2009 like the whole lending industry was just shriveling every day we woke up we're like what bank went out of business today and I just saw the writing on the wall and I saw a huge opportunity at these trustee sales so I just started going down there and like sitting there and just observing and like seeing
1: what was going on and It was wild. Yeah, that is. I'm sure that was a crazy time. I study the 2008 like boom bust kind of cycle just because obviously being before my time, I never really learned, you know, any of that. All I remember was, you know, hey, we went from living in a house to an apartment and, you know, our, our parents got foreclosed on at that time. So it was a tough time being a kid and just kind of seeing it. But I tried to go back and study that time period of 08, 09 And as, I mean, you lived through it, you worked through it. Like, would you say at that point, like there was business, I mean, obviously banks were going out of business. Um, People were super excited about like just trying to buy a house, right? Like you, no one was buying, right? From my understanding, like no one was buying. The market kind of stopped. I mean, even home prices went down. I forgot the exact percentage, but home prices went down to probably one of their all-time lows, and people still weren't buying at that. Is that... It was wild. I mean, we were buying
0: a lot at the courthouse. We were just paying, you know, getting houses for 30 grand. And reselling them for 40 and thinking we were heroes, you know? Yeah. It was just really fun. It was the wild west. I don't know if you've ever been to the trustee sales downtown. It's like they yeah. sit outside yep. on these picnic tables, like 10 different trustees going at once, auctioning <laughs> off millions of dollars of real estate. And
1: yeah, it was wild. Yeah. And there's a lot of folks too that I'm sure that you still stay in contact with that are down there yeah. still doing a lot of but stuff What down caused
0: there. that crash is very different than what's going on today. What caused that crash was fraud. It was unregulated because we want to be unregulated but we're not trustworthy so the the you know the appraisers were our buddies it wasn't going through a third party You could state your income. You could be a fireman and say you made three hundred thousand dollars on a no-doc loan, you know. So people were just betting on the appreciation of the asset, the real estate, and so they were negative cash flowing on these rental properties. And so when the market started adjusting, you just saw landlords letting go of stuff. I saw CPAs and attorneys letting go of properties. It was just wild, you know. And I think I was twenty-seven around that crash, and I just remember like I've never. That's why I don't over leverage. I'm a big believer in leveraging people. Other people's marketing, <laughs> properties, yeah. money, all of it. But like I'm a big believer in like not
1: over-leveraging. And that's what I learned with that crash. And how do you because I coach our team on like a lot of different ways to deleverage or not to over-leverage? What are some takeaways for our audience? Maybe they're a young person out there in their 20s, maybe they do have a little bit of leverage and they're worried about a crash. How do they deleverage themselves?
0: Be careful with the credit card debt. You know, like if you can't pay cash for that Mercedes, don't take out a $1,500 payment, yeah. right? Like make a goal for yourself. Okay, once I own three rental properties, now I'm going to go buy that $5,000 purse. Yeah, But the problem is I think everyone's just spending a little too much and they need to be saving. The last couple of years have been phenomenal. And so it's like I mean I would like for me I got really really cash heavy and I knew there was gonna be a ton of opportunities which there was you know the end of last year like when the market kind of stalled September October like I just started buying like crazy around December people were freaking out I knew inventory was low yeah so even if I had to keep it I at least I could. Put some debt on it and keep it as rentals.
1: Yeah, so and still cash flow it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then so being cash heavy, I talk a lot about like having reserves. I think that's something really important. Like having multiple different bank accounts. I talk to a lot of guys about that. Like a lot of our our agents come in and they may have one or two accounts. And I'm like, hey, every single wealthy person I talk to has six accounts, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Ten accounts. Like spread your money out I because it. I think psychology like tells us that. You're going to spend money a little differently when you don't open your app nowadays, right? And everyone's constantly, oh, that check just hit, that commission wire just hit my account, and they start spending. Maybe they start going out to eat more or they start going and shopping. So is there anything, any takeaways besides, you know, obviously reducing, I think credit card debt is really, really important, um, in terms of like really making sure that people don't get too comfortable, even if they do have, you know, some money in their account, like how do you not get too comfortable?
0: I think what you're saying, the idea of multiple accounts is brilliant. I remember the book, richest man in Babylon, like an old school book, yeah, right? I've, I, I've actually read that book. <laughs> I've given like a thousand copies. Yeah. <laughs> but basically it talks about taking 10% of the money you make and putting it in a separate account. And when I say 10%, even if you make $10, you got to learn to take that $1 and put in the account. And what you're doing is you're training yourself. And that 10% account is only used if it can make you more money, which means investments. And then you also, if you're 1099, it's super important that you pull out about 20% of your money and just put that in a separate account. And I think like learning tax strategies is like The most important thing in anything. And when you learn tax strategies, now you can become more of an expert. So when you're speaking to real estate clients, now you're an expert, right? Of course, at the end of the conversation, say consult your CPA, cover your butt, but like, you know, like become an expert and people are going to want to work with you.
1: No, that's, I think that's awesome too. And if you're out there listening, that's one thing that I did terrible at and I, was learning that same lesson you just said uh, by getting a big tax bill so I think that's awesome advice for someone out there that is starting to maybe get a little bit of traction in their in their career or on the sales side of things and now they're starting to get hit with those bigger tax
0: Even bills. like okay like even and the thing is with us like you and I probably were really heavy in our assets are probably a lot in real estate. So it's like learning how to also make sure you're doing the other stuff. So, like, say, if you don't, say you make under 100 grand, you can get a Roth IRA. And I think you can put up to like $6,500, but that doesn't mean you can't put $2,000 in it. Like, you don't have to put the max. So it's like, okay, I'm going to put $2,000 in this IRA at 22, at 23, at 24. I promise you by the time you're like 30 something, you're going to be like, oh wow, this really multiplied. Yeah. And now that's another asset to help you with reserves when you're trying to qualify for these mortgages. So it's like these, li- I like baby steps. Everyone wants to go, oh, I got to put 10 grand in this. No, just, if you can afford $2,000 a year, which is not even $200 a month to put into a Roth IRA at a young age, it's going to start really helping you.
1: Yeah, and I think that's, that's awesome because I, a lot of the, my buddies that I talk to, they're like, hey, why do I need- need six accounts why do I need a Roth IRA I only make X amount of dollars I only have a couple extra bucks at the end of the month and I'm like that's the point right like take the couple extra dollars and put it in there start building those good habits so that is awesome Um, switching gears a little bit because I think Right now, our audience is primarily folks out there listening. And um, I know one thing that my fiance Katrina wanted me to talk to you about <laughs> is being a woman in real estate. And I think, as an industry, would you say real estate is male dominated? Like, I know there's a lot of women out there, my fiance included. She's like, How do you get aggressive, right? Being a female in real estate?
0: You gotta be careful being a female in real estate, like letting the emotions come in because it's very easy for someone to kind of turn it on you. But I don't know. At the end of the day, I don't let it bother me. I don't think about it. Everybody's my ally. And uh, tell your girl to come join my crew. I will. <laughs>
1: I, I will. Got a bunch of boss ladies. I know. And that's what she wants to be surrounded by. She's <laughs> like, I, I love Lauren. She's like, definitely ask her these questions. But I hear that a lot, you know, and I, I don't know if it's maybe, I, I'm sure it's, you know, per, it's specific on each person, kind of struggles well, with Well, Obviously,
0: things. you know, I don't know. I feel as a woman, like we're almost having an advantage in this business. Because I walk into a home and we can notice everything right wrong yeah you know so i don't know i just never really let it like be a disadvantage but at the same time like yeah women have a lot more on their plate usually they usually have kids and you know (laughs) a lot of yeah
1: one that and i i think too i think that what you just said earlier is really important as well like not letting the emotions you know because it can be turned on you and i think it goes like the other way for us men like in terms of being too like Like no emotions, like blunt, like, (laughs) Hey, this is what it's worth. And they're like, no, I saw so-and-so sell their house for X amount of dollars. Like, you know, and they want, so I guess it kind of goes both ways on that. Um, It's like a seller or a buyer, right? Like you got to identify the type of, there's
0: four types of people in this world. So we got to identify which ones they are. You know, do we have the engineer thinking, the fast starters, you know, like what are they? And then you can match them. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's all about her confidence and the more and more she does and the more she helps people and like builds her team and contributes to like other realtors success, like her confidence will go up and she's going to be a killer.
1: Yeah. No, I, I think, I think so too. She just made the million dollar month club over at my Woo! home group. So she's super excited about that. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, she's been doing really good, and I, I think it's one thing she gets a little timid about, too, with being doing a lot of open houses and being alone and just kind of that thing as well. She came home the other day with the taser, showing me that. I'm like, whoa, watch out. We but- give those to the women on our I know, uh, team when they join.
0: <laughs> actually, um, Knuckles and their tasers, and they have little clips, so they like, go really well. That's cool. Because, yeah. like, think about it. You're going to tase someone and get out. I know, yeah. You're not going to get your gun out shoot them like no yeah. just tase them get out <laughs> yeah run call
1: yeah to call 911 yeah. yeah
0: no it's intimidating being a woman you got to be smart you got to go with your intuition you know there's no reason to ever go upstairs if you're a woman let the clients go upstairs why yeah. put yourself in that position if you're uncomfortable step outside the front door and say go look at the house um and then also make sure you have an emergency word within your team
1: i love that so okay. you want
0: to say you want to have an emergency word followed by an address so who anyone you call in your company you say that word you know, you could say, "Get me the purple folder for one, two, three, four Main Street," and that means like, "Please call the police." And you hopefully don't need to use it. But I'm from New York City, so like, I'm always like, so I literally train my agents on safety. We talk about it; like, it is a thing.
1: Yeah, no, and I think it's I think it's awesome. I think more people should be talking about it because I mean, there is it's far few in between, but it does happen, right? Just be smart. Yeah, be smart. And I I know a lot of people are. A lot of people do have that common sense, but it's like you never know when that person's going to be out there. So um, being you know, a female mm-hmm. in real estate. Would you say there is any other advantages besides just being a female? Like, <laughs> can you can you unpack oh, that? We get it? <laughs> yeah. No, I don't really. I don't get the question. <laughs> um, so, like, would you say like because. I guess from like, from my standpoint, right? Like, would you say, cause I know like I sometimes am very not emotional and I don't know, maybe if that's just on the investor side, I feel like being an investor, right? As you know, you're an investor. I'm accused of being non-emotional all yes.
0: of, don't worry. So like
1: I, and that's one thing that I, I guess maybe that I struggle with just being vulnerable with you today. Like I struggle sometimes with not being as emotional and that comes back to bite me when I'm talking to clients. You so, know, as
0: you get older, you'll learn to compliment more. You'll learn to point out things you make people feel good about themselves right like people want to work with people that make them feel good so like you start identifying that you start realizing oh god i told my assistant she did a great job today and she did four times better and just maybe teaching yourself almost to the point where it's fake where you like have to remind yourself give this person a compliment yeah. like almost put in your calendar and then after a couple of weeks hopefully it becomes a habit but like you're gonna have employees and you're gonna have agents that need that and then you're gonna have people that don't need it yeah I don't know. Sometimes I have all my agents do the uh, love language test.
1: Yes. <laughs> it really helps. Yeah. And then you can kind of figure out what their love language is and kind of what they like. Because yeah. I've had like, so when we do like a lot of recruiting here, especially within the last couple of weeks, like we see a lot of agents come in and the first thing they ask is like, so what systems and what's your splits, right? Like what are your systems and what what's the, the split? So how do you kind of combat that when there's an agent maybe coming at you that's like, hey, you know, we see so-and-so splits. Like it really obviously comes down to a value sale. I
0: think at the end of the day, if they walk in and they're shopping splits, like I'm already the wrong team for you because like my team's different, right? Like we have a huge retail team. We sell a lot of residential, but we also do wholesale. I also fix and flip. I also own a lot of rentals. I own Airbnbs. I even own a container home I remodeled. That's cool. (laughs) You know, so that's kind of like...
1: Yeah, what you guys do on that end. Okay. So
0: it's like, yeah, I'm not going to be like if you're if you're looking to build your career and develop as a human, like yeah, come on over. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like I'm really picky on who I let on the team. Um, it's a lot of energy from us, you know, when we pick someone. So the first thing we do is we have them come to a team meeting and we like see them in the environment before we even have an interview.
1: Well, that's and we do a very similar thing. Like our interview process is, I come in, shadow someone, make sure it's a good culture fit I love first. That. Shadow right? somebody, shadow someone, right, and just <laughs> well, right, and just kind of see, right, if it's a good culture fit. Because at the end of the day, you're exactly right. Like I think if they'll join you for for splits, they're going to leave you for splits, right? So it's like if you're just going to talk about splits today, then you know we can go and talk about splits on another team. Um so I guess, yeah, that's that's definitely- I mean, what
0: makes you different is you do 10 different things. Yes. Right? Like you list, you buy, you flip, you probably can help a seller get a house ready. Like you're different. Yeah. So like, I think at the end of the day, that's what's going to attract people to
1: you. Yeah. Well, and I guess on, do you do anything on the private equity side? No. No. Because one thing that I've been doing recently is, I don't know if you know someone here in the Valley named John Burley. He's an old Wall Street guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of his name, um, but he does, he was- in, Wals- in New York, uh, did a lot on the Wall Street side. I forgot exactly what firm he worked for there, but I attended his conference and kind of was able to do some coaching and training with him. And he talks a lot about private equity. So that was one thing that I oh, know. Like raising private equity. Is right. that what you're asking? Yes. Okay. Like, sorry. No. So sorry. yes,
0: I started my, I call it other people's money. <laughs> OPM. Yep. <laughs> I was yeah. like, OPM. Oh, yeah. yeah. So when I first started, you know, I had no money. So I basically found investors and I convinced them to give me all the money for the deal. I would, so they would acquire, I would, I would find the deal. I'd put it in their name. I would run the remodel, but they would pay for everything. They pay for insurance, everything, no money out of my pocket. I would list it and I would take half the profit. Wow. Okay. So it was like sweat equity that what I was earning. And so like I started doing that and that's kind of how I built all my money. And then I was leveraging against hard money and hard money was 18%. In 2009, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. So like that's when I was doing the auctions. And so here we are borrowing this money at 18%. So we're like, we got to go. <laughs> yeah. go. We got to go. We got to have these properties on the market. And it was just wild. So like, yeah, that's how I built my whole business was other people's money. And the thing is, if you can do it once or twice and show that you've got the system down, you're going to get a ton more people. It's always that first deal. You know, it's
1: hardest to get funded. Well, and that's exactly my story is like, yeah, after that first one, then everyone wants to kind of join in and get, get involved and lend you this X amount of dollars. So I've done creative stuff like self-directed IRAs, you know, people had some
0: money in some stock that they wanted to use. And I taught them how to like, kind of
1: roll that in or use that to purchase. What about, I know we had mentioned a little bit about the creative financing stuff. Can you kind of show us or talk to us about like what you're doing on that end?
0: (laughs) Okay. So like right now I just got one, I am assuming the mortgage. And so I'm assuming the mortgage. I'm putting down 50 grand. I'll cash flow 500 a month on it, but the rent is low. I have to keep the tenant in until it expires the lease, which will be this year. Um but the rate's 2.75.
1: Wow. Wow. And so
0: what I'm going to do, <laughs> this is what I'm going to go to try to do. Um I'm going to re-rent it to someone like a lease option. And then wrap it at like a 6% loan with that buyer. And then so I'll be able to cash flow probably over a thousand bucks on that. Yeah. And then there's also some like tax strategies in the way I'm setting it up so that I can write off like the depreciation of the building a little bit more aggressive. And like so there's things like that.
1: Wow, that's super interesting. That's one thing I'm actually doing something kind of similar in Santan right now, where we're trying to buy it on sub two and then sell it on a rent to own. So I think that that
0: same model. Yeah,
1: and I think that model is going to become more and more popular. So I know there's a lot of people out there, whether they're watching or they have clients right now that have two, three, four percent rates. What do you think those are going to be like? Those are going to be gold mines, right, in the future, more or less. Like they're going to be everyone's going to be trying to find. A two, three, or four percent rate. How would you advise, or what would you tell someone out there to find a creative deal? Like, where do you get a lot of your deals right now?
0: So that creative deal came from a wholesaler, so I can't take
1: credit for it. Okay, (laughs) no, but that's Um, awesome. So when
0: I was like during um, like 2020, I was running TV commercials with my face on it, saying "Get a cash offer on your home." So we were getting we were getting a ton of wholesale from that, but we were actually getting more listings from it. Really? So, okay. like, for me, I don't care. Like, if you need me to list your home, you need me to fix your house and list it, you need me to buy your house cash, like, there's many options working with my team. And so that's kind of, like, what I was doing to get leads. Um, and then we also, like, we, liked, we like to go after, like, um, not death, um, rece- like, this one it's, like, the second time, it's the beneficiary deeds.
1: Okay. Yeah. Because
0: it's like, all right, that person went through the probate. We're good now. And maybe, now- we, maybe we can get a hold of them. But they are a headache. I mean, you got five. Family members every time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Dealing with that. I've we've we have a couple of those too right now. And it sometimes can be a nightmare just talking to five different people and trying to get everything squared away on that. Um so and I know I have seen some of your billboards, so you still are doing the marketing. Let's let's kind of jump into that more. So what are you guys doing for marketing? I know you, you said you did commercials. I've seen some of is it L T R Yeah,
0: Lauren Okay. Rosen
1: team. Yeah, the L T R offer billboards. Are you guys doing any T V radio?
0: I did do a lot of them for about a year right before the elections, but because of the elections, like it got so expensive and it was really fun in 20. 20- I mean, the thing that in 2020, you put a house in contract, by the time you close on it, it went up 20%. Yeah. <laughs> so like it didn't yeah. matter what you paid for them Yeah, and it was just craziness. And then we were selling them to open door and offer pad. Like we weren't even seeing them and it was like the wild west. I think right now it's tightening up a little bit, you know, everyone's making a little bit less spreads and, um, I think calling the realtors asking for like if your seller would do creative financing or like an assumable loan is kind of like waste of time I mean I don't know I feel like I hang up on them all day
1: so you're hanging up on me Lauren yes (laughs) moving forward Lauren what is the worst deal you've done and what's (laughs) let's do a little story time and the best the best deal oh
0: god let's see the worst one was I got an auction the worst deal I did was because I wasn't in charge (laughs) so I had these guys I bought at the auctions with and usually I would run my own remodels but this one I was like I'll let you guys run it and they went crazy overboard they remodeled it outdated And no way it was on a main road. I mean, it was just bad all around. So I lost a nice chunk and I drive by it every Mm -hmm. day. Do you really? And every day I'm like, that's my fucking reminder not
1: to be cocky. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy though. So it was on a main road and they didn't do like a full it, like. It wasn't a good, no. No, it just wasn't a good remodel.
0: It was like just when like we were switching to the white and grays and they still oh. did the browns. Oh, okay. And it was like $2 million house, you know, 10
1: years ago. Like, come on. Yeah. Like got to be up to speed. And then what, so, and that's the worst. What, what, what about the best? Oh, this is a good one. What year was this? Oh, this is 2011.
0: I get a lead on this house and basically they had a first and a second and these crazy tax liens. And the first was like $287,000 balance. And uh, so I paid that in full. I didn't try to short sell it. And then the second mortgage, oh, this is the problem. We were foreclosing that Friday and they would not give me an extension like at all. So I was like, oh my God. So I paid this like short sale chick, like 1% of the deal to stay on the phone with this lady and the IRS for like 48 hours. They were on the phone for two <laughs> days because we had to negotiate the liens down. Yeah. I was like, listen, you're going to get money or they're going to foreclose. You're going to get nothing. Yeah. And then the second mortgage, I went to them and I was like, listen, I know you're going to get wiped out on Friday because you're second lien position. I'll give you six grand. But like, if you don't give me the letter today, tomorrow, it's five grand. And the next day it's four grand. So wow. send me the letter right now. And so they got me the letter and like, it was crazy. And we ended up getting this deal under contract. And then there was all this extra money and like, in short sales, like they can't, the extra money can't go to the seller. So I like added all these invoices to the contractor for like 30 grand and like, I was like, all right, we're covered. Um, but yeah, no, we've, that was my biggest, we won, we made about a half on that. Half. Wow. It was a, my biggest one ever. And I never, I don't talk about it cause yeah. it's not a normal deal, but it was like a short sell tax lien. So it was just like,
1: well, and no, craziness. I I think that's awesome though, because there are those home run deals out there, right? Like it's not every single hit that you're going to hit a home run. But it's like, you know, if you hit enough singles and doubles, and then you hit a triple and then a home run every once in a while, that's awesome.
0: I think you gotta be careful. Like these wholesalers, like they get a little too greedy. And I think right now that's really happening. Like you shouldn't make more on your assignment than me once I flip it. Because I'm a big end buyer because when I get listings, it creates more opportunities for my team, you know, sign calls, open houses, all that stuff. So that's what I just would say because like there's certain wholesalers that will send me deals. And then like a couple days later, it's lower, it's lower, it's lower. And then I just block them Yeah. because I'm like, I'm not dealing with this person. Yeah. Like send me the good stuff. I'll buy 10.
1: Yeah. No, that's, <laughs> uh, no, I think that's, that's a good reminder, especially because I know back in like June, we had to cancel a lot of deals. Like back when the market kind of- June was crazy. That June, was, when we was renegotiating the contracts. It was just crazy. And we lost some earnest money on some deals. And like, we learned that lesson of like, Hey, if we got a quick five grand, 10 grand, whatever it is, whatever that money is that we're going to make on it just take it as long as you know that end buyer, like someone like yourself is reputable and that's actually going to get it done because we did have some with some really reputable buyers here and buyers and they still held through and they're like dude we shouldn't be buying this like but we want to stand behind it. We want to honor this. I know
0: last year when the market shifted, like I had four cancel and I bought, I bought them all.
1: Yeah. <laughs> see. Then the
0: market went up anyway. Yeah. And
1: then ex- see, and yeah, and you ended up making out on it. But it's like that. I think that is a good reminder for a lot of wholesalers to make sure that hey, you are sending out a good number and leave enough if you've room. You got on a them. good buyer, like treat them good. Yeah.
0: Like I've been with, I'm in what 15 years now. <laughs> like yeah. I, I mean, mean and, and like 10 other guys like that sent me a lot of deals so like just treat your good buyer as good don't try to rip me off once like think like let's think business relationship let's think long term relationship
1: Yeah no absolutely I think that's awesome Well thank you so much for being on the podcast
0: <laughs> Of course I appreciate you I love coming what you guys in are doing.
1: Thank you Yeah it's been uh <laughs> it's been interesting we've been doing the podcast now for about a year so we're still kind of still new <laughs> at, at kind of working like everything it. out but yeah thank you guys so much
0: We had people like you training
1: me at, when I was 20 <laughs> (laughs) we we try. I'm trying to
0: learn this business. This is your guy. (laughs) Yeah, we try. Thank
1: you so much. I appreciate that. Thank you guys so much for staying tuned to Young Money Mindset. We appreciate you guys watching the episode.